The Down in a Heap podcast from Rob C. is one of the only podcasts that I can stand to listen to. I'm Froth from the Thought Eater podcast, and I approve this message. In old school games, life is cheap. Don't be a dope. Bring your pole, oil, and rope, and try not to go down in a heap. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Down in a Heap podcast. I'm your host, Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful Northeast Minneapolis. And it is beautiful. It's like the warmest Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone, uh, that we've had in, I think, like 20 years or something. I got the porch open here. It's crazy. Um, top of the show there, we heard from Froth, Thought of Your Podcast, Thought of Your Blog. And it had to be Taylor's version, doing his best Bella Lugosi of my theme song today on Halloween. So thanks, Taylor, for that. I appreciate it. And it's the last day of OSR October. Woohoo! You're probably all just <laughs> cheering like madmen. No more. We can't take any more. But there's is one more episode I have to do. And while I haven't I wouldn't necessarily say I've been saving the best for last, I do really like this supplement I'm gonna talk about here today. And, uh, but before I, uh, uh, do go into it, I have to admit that I know the person that did it. So I guess you can take it with a grain of salt if you think I'm unbiased, but, uh, let's take a look at Planet Eris. Some have lamented that the OSR hasn't really produced a whole lot of, like, world settings and stuff. Lots of fantasy heartbreaker systems based on the original TSR uh, games, D&D games and stuff. And then all their far-flung influences and stuff. Tons of adventures and all kinds of blog postings with different random tables and whatnot. But there aren't that many world settings and I know Kevin, especially over at the Red Caps lately, has been talking about how he kind of wishes that there was especially some kind of like uh, community-sourced project or something, almost along the lines of basic fantasy role-playing game or something, where people could contribute to and, and design a world or something. But there, there is one out there that I think is pretty cool. It's made for an OD&D kind of setting, or, but it, it really could be used for just about any kind of... D&D setting, and that's even, you could, I mean, it is fairly system agnostic even. I think this setting could be used for just about any kind of sword and planet fantasy kind of setting, or system, I mean. And this is Planet Eris, a gazetteer by Jim Johnson, published by the Scribes of Sparn. And it's described as a geopolitical lexicon of the 66th Aeon including the Empire of Sparn, its cities, subject realms, adjacent lands, and the known seas. This is available at DriveThruRPG. It's a 64-page, perfect-bound um, um, soft cover, a color, uh, color picture on the front, and uh, black-and-white line art throughout. It is digest size, 
and it seems to be paying quite of an homage to the original um, OD&D supplements. It was published first, or written and assembled in 2019, designed and written by Jim Johnson, edited by Guy Fullerton, additional writing designed by Stephen Clark and Keith St. Louis, additional concepts by the Planet Eras campaign, Dungeon Masters and Players, cover art by Peter Mullen, that's right, it's really cool, too, illustrations by Rich Longmore and Luigi Castellani, additional illustrations from oldbookillustrations.com, and accompanying map art by Jim Johnson and Stephen Clark. Production assistance by Chainsaw. I'll just read the foreword here. We'll kind of give you a little bit of the, like the flavor of um, how this came about. I remember the first time I played in the Planet Eris campaign. It was a sweltering July in 2012 at King's Hobby in Austin, Texas, and the shop's AC was struggling to keep up with the heat and humidity. The table we played at was home-built, made of plywood, and had a big MDF cover that concealed its original purpose as a sand table for use in wargaming. A small mini-fridge sat humming behind us. It was the perfect setting for an old-school, original 1974 edition session of Dungeons & Dragons. And it was the perfect time to venture deep into the cannibal-infested jungles of Bruel, on our way to the Skull Mountain mega-dungeon which Jim Johnson had been running since the summer of 2010. You see, what made OD&D so fun and interesting was the flexibility that the DM, or referee in OD&D parlance, had in creating both the rules and setting for the game. It was really a different type of game compared to the contemporary pen-and-paper RPGs of today. The original three booklets gave only the briefest outlines, guidance, and examples of the rules and how to create content for the game. Planet Eris is a product of that era of imagination, separated though it is by 30 or 40 years of TSR additions, transitions, and takeovers. I felt that more than any other setting, it <clears throat> stayed true to the sources that inspired the creation of D&D. Although I started off as a player, me and a few others eventually started our own Planet Eris games. I found myself calling up Jim every time I went to create a new thing to put in it. I wanted to make sure I wasn't stepping on any established lore diverging from the original intent of the setting. He finally drew up an outline of, the ga- of a gazetteer, which made it much easier to run our games in the same setting, allowing players and their characters to flow between DMs while allowing DMs to add upon and create their own content. A few years passed, and it seemed like it was a good time to compile all the ideas and information we had developed into a complete booklet. Not so big, a, no, not so much detail that other DMs wouldn't feel there uh, wasn't more to add, but enough that anyone reading it could sit down and run a game that f- feels exactly like how we run our games. With this first edition of the Planet Eras Gazetteer, I'm hoping the rest of you are lucky enough to experience the magic of swords and sorcery I first experienced on that hot summer day years ago. Stephen Counting Wizard Clark, Planet Eris Co-Dungeon Master, Austin, Texas. February 22nd, 2019. So it also gives information here on where you can get the Planet Eris world map. You can find it at a Knights and Knaves um, spot. And then on Jim Johnson's uh, blog cubeofquasar.blogspot.com and I'll try and put that in the show notes. So as the as this kind of alludes to this is really kind of a 
has a very much a swords and sorcery, sword and planet kind of feel to it. Um, although there aren't really specific um, uh, notes of like science fiction elements so much, it definitely has a little bit of a that Edgar Rice Burroughs kind of sword and planet, sword and sandal kind of thing going on. Uh, there is a very thorough table of contents on page three. Uh, in it, it breaks the uh, this pamphlet down into a planet heiress, history and calendars, races and languages, political divisions, geographical features, gods and demons, notes for the campaign referee, and appendix. So it starts out uh, Planet Eris, and it has these little blurbs uh, from the scrolls of Skrell. It is revealed to men of wisdom, though other intelligence fails to corroborate the account, that a prime artificer conceived foremost of Planet Eris, and from that conception all things, the lands, seas, stars, and yea, the gods even, were judiciously devised. So <clears throat> this section of Planet Eris talks about the actual, like, legendary creation of <laughs> the, not only Planet Eris, but the whole, like, solar system and stuff. So it, it really goes into detail. And some of the, the, the factors of this solar system play a big role in what separates uh, or makes pl the Planet Eris setting a little bit different. Uh, so Eris is the tenth planet of a yellow sun known as Sol. The clear daytime sky is a prasinous lime color in which a large red and small blue moon are often visible. Eris is inhabited by several advanced races, the men of old Earth dominant among them. It is a relatively small world with an equatorial circumference of 2,222 miles. On its current path, planet Eris orbits Sol every 555 years along an extreme ellip elliptical. Each such cycle is referred to as one aeon, most of which is characterized by relatively temperate climes. However, the final 111 years of each aeon are marked by a season of extreme cold known as True Winter, when the amber planet Izion appears as a third moon and man retreats below the planet's surface. The aim of this work is to provide a general view of the lands and people extent during the middle seasons of the 66th Aeon, when the indomitable empire of Sparn held sway. So it then goes on to give a, a really broad brush strokes, geography, climate, the five seasons, yes, five, because there's the true winter. And then talks about the two moons, sister worlds of which, um, you know, some of this, a lot of it does kind of blur the lines between our, our known solar system and known cultures of Earth and legends and myth of Earth that gets transported to planet Eris from old Earth. So there is, like, Earth, once the pinnacle of human advancement, old Earth now lies in ruin. It's survivors fighting each other 
and ruthless wizards who employ ancient lost knowledge to construct war machines and evil contrivances. Sounds a lot like Thundar World, right? There's also Mars, called Barsoom by men and other creatures who dwell there. Mars is a red desert planet. Like old Earth, knowledge and relics of its devastated ancient past survive in hidden places. So there's that element of the uh, John Carter kind of thing, uh, Barsoomian. There's also um, Pluto, which um, has a little bit of a kind of Cthulhu-esque kind of feel to it. And Orcus, the planet of undeath. <laughs> uh, then it has, uh, let's see, calendars, a historical chronology of the aeons. So of the 66 aeons, maybe um, 40 of them or something, are given like a, a quick blurb that just kind of overviews what was going on in that aeon from the from the dawn of time, basically, this primordial time, all the way up to the 66th aeon, which is marking the fourth rise of the Sparnian Empire. Um, so this gives you some really broad brush strokes, but a strong feel for um, this, this vast time expanse that has been going on and how the ebb and flow of the various uh, invaders, original occupants, and... Uh, and um, transients or whatever that have come and gone on, on Sparn and stuff. Uh, so it talks about migrations, wars, and empires, the imperial calendar, and uh, so it gives the days of the weeks for not only uh, the Sparnian, uh, but also the Kimrakite uh, and their meaning and what the equivalency of like old earth. So what, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then there's also a Stygian reckoning of days, months, and years. Uh, and the, the Stygians are kind of like they are in, in Conan, I guess, you know, there's this kind of dark Egyptian kind of feel to it. Um, then it goes into the races and languages men and man-like races. So there's Earthmen, Barsoomiums, uh, Izianites, um, Elves, Dwarves, Halflings, Beastmen, uh, Quaorians, and then Current and Ancient Tongues. So Low, High Sparnian, Helikoi, Kimrakish, Omphirian, Zameric, Isparic, Volgath, Low Stygian, and High Stygian, and Non-Human Tongues, Ancient Tongues of Law and Chaos. So all this stuff is right at your uh, fingertips. and or, Well, it's, it's detailed enough where it provides some real depth to the, to the setting. I mean, not like words and whatnot, but just, you know, it gives what is spoken more or less on this planet. Uh, and then it breaks into political divisions. And most of these political divisions are kingdoms that have, like I said, a, a kind of a loose association with um, uh, an Earth-like culture or civilization. So the Empire of Sparn, I think, has a loose parallel to Rome. Uh, Helicoi is kind of a loose parallel to Greece, like the Hellenistic period of Greece, maybe. Um, Stygia is like, kind of like Egypt. Uh, 
the Kimrick is kind of uh, like a German or French or I don't know, more more like a European and with with kind of an Arthurian legend kind of uh, backdrop to it. And then there's Belarus, which which is like kind of a Russian feel to it. Um, all these things are uh, given like the the ruler, the name of the ruler, the population of the the empire kingdom or whatever a capital ensign and colors so for sparn uh, the ruler is nebidus imperator of sparnorum population 250,000 plus capital the imperial city of sparn ensign colors dragon or gryphon viridian on metallic peridot gold resources grain foodstuffs wine cloth art craft items copper silver gold gems um, it talks about the Imperial City of Sparn and then breaks into smaller uh, outlying cities, towns, and places of note. There are some little homages. So, for instance, there's a town called Gygaxos. There's uh, also, I think, a one that's for like Arnes or something like that, kind of an art nod to Dave Arneson. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, Arnes. There's a Robolos, probably for Rob Kuntz. I doubt it's me. <laughs> I'm sure it's Rob Kuntz. There's Cask, and there's Sestaris, and there's probably other things in here, too, that I just um, did not really pick up on. Uh, but it's all kind of written with... Uh, there are some uh, adventure hooks laden in here, but it's it's just a nice overview of each of the this uh these cultures and kingdoms and how they're if they're subject realms of sparn um a protectorate of sparn or something or or something kind of independent because after we get through um fear is kind of like a, a little bit of a mesopotamian kind of feel um and then there are azos the islands of let's see <coughs> The Barbarian Kingdoms, so that's going to be more kind of like Viking and Celtish kind of feel to it. Uh, Fomoria is the Giant Kingdoms, Hell, the Demon Waste, and the Ice Below. Uh, and the Urchin Isles and Holdings of the Sea Kings. Um, yeah, just lots of, lots of stuff here to go through. Then it breaks into geographical features, alphabetized um, cyclopedia of labeled map features. So anything that's kind of labeled on this big map, it has an entry for. So um, just at random, the Blue Hills, the forested hills of northern Kimrick, are populated by woodsmen descended from the ancient Kimbrel tribes. Many beasts dwell within, some hunted by men, others better avoided. The wood is dense but passable with intermittent undergrowth. Birch, aspen, and cottonwood dominate yielding to white pine and mountain hemlock in the north and a smattering of red cedar in the west. Some halfling tribes dwell here as well. <coughs> the jungles of Brule. This dense, suffocating area teems with deadly fauna and cannibal tribes. The expanse was once ruled by clans of intelligent apes. Tumbled stone block ruins are all that is left of the Simian Empire, but remnants of their kind lurk in hidden places. And Zinj... The ancient ape city filled with emeralds and ivory may yet 
sit hidden in the east. So there are 10 pages in the 64-page booklet to, devoted to uh, the, just giving a, a brief note on these different geographical features uh, of the world. Uh, and then breaks into gods and demons. Spartan cosmology postulates reality as a physical manifestation projected into existence by the prime artificer, an omnipotent external being, impressing the twin pillars of law, space and time, upon the dual elements of chaos, force and motion. Cosmic order arose, and the creation of the universe followed. Intelligences known as demons, which are sentient aspects of chaos, strive unceasingly to return to primeval disorder and recruit treacherous agents, including men, to such ends. Guarding against the des these designs are the gods of law, constituted as shepherds and protectors of men. The Scrolls of Skrull. So it breaks down uh, here the gods of Sparn, Brass, the prime deity of law, Crotus, the god of discipline and righteous combat, uh, let's see, Den, the god of reason and knowledge, Oblius, the god of purification, restitution, and vengeance, um, Arera, goddess of symmetry and harmony, Ashan, the god of healing and the dead. Uh, has some illustrations of well, four of these deities, the tenants, the symbol description, and worshiper notes for each of these. So because Sparn is kind of the primary kingdom, I think it goes in a little bit more detail. And then, and then other gods of men. The warring gods of old Earth no longer dominate Eris. So yeah, in the like legendary history of Eris, there are times when the gods did walk the Earth, almost like a... Oh, what is that? Uh, I'm forgetting the Greek source of the ages of men, the Golden Age, Silver Age, and Age of Iron. Oh, I don't know why. It's been too long since I had those college classes. <laughs> uh, but the, So the gods of Belarus, um, um, the gods of the Helicos, which are very much just like the, the Greek gods, the primary gods of Helicos are Zeus, Apollo, Ares, Diana, and Hades. Hesiod, is that who did the Ages of Men? Hmm. Uh, the gods of Kimrick and the Barbarian Kingdoms are very much like the Germanic and Norse deities, as well as Celtic. So they have like Woden, Thunor, Agma, Morrigan, um, also known under, known under the names of Odin, Thor, Tyr, Loki, and Hel. The gods of Omphir are uh, some definitely some like Sumerian, Babylonian kind of deities here. The gods of Stygia are, are gods of Egypt, Ra, Isis, Horus, Thoth, Apshe, Set, Anubis. Uh, and then there are demons of Eris and other worlds. Um, so you've got you know, like Kali and Nurgle, and there's Druaga, Tiamat, um, Orcus. flip the page here and then uh let's see chaos medium creatures unaligned elemental powers well anyway it has a a fair amount of 
detail here of the different deities and pantheons that you'll find in Eris. Enough to definitely get your campaign going and rolling. Then it breaks into notes for the campaign referee. It talks about the map legend, the scale. Uh, Hexagon on the ma- world map is 15 miles or 5 leagues. Uh, this is the distance a man a foot may travel in a day when not inhab- inhibited by adverse terrain or conditions. has symbols for the various population settlements, the water depth and the seas, uh, military outposts. Posts. Then it has, uh, on page 56, is a terrain guide with all the different map symbols for the different terrains of move- movement cost per hex. And then, uh, like, terrain type and description. There's trade routes, so, like, roads, more or less like Roman roads, but these are Sparnian roads, of course. Clear, tundra, desert, wasteland, hills, forest, coniferous, forest, deciduous, jungle and rainforest, mountains, polar mountains, swamp, river, and fjord. Uh, Lesser road, uh, waterways and settlements. So movement allowance chart. And kind of a procedural method for travel and exploration, where you do like a direction check, movement, encounter check, food and water, and rest. So a five-step turn, where each turn is a a day in travel. Um, And that details on, on how all these procedures are done. And there are some tables for direction and encounter tables. um, Various... Uh, things that can happen to you um, traveling. There's Each terrain type has a different chance for getting lost and a different chance for having an encounter. Um, encounter descriptions on here. And they, they have different variabilities depending on where you're at too. So there's poison, dehydration, animals, insects, extreme storm, injury, man or monster... Wildfire, exhaustion, quagmire, again, manor monster, illness, swarm, ground fire, banner monster, water, merchant caravan or patrol, rain, food, game animals, and optimal travel conditions. So you roll on those, that table to find out what's going on in that daily event. Um, <clears throat> talks about uh, cities, towns, and castles, and accommodations, rating... Um, Plays like inns and things by a scale of one to six, uh, going from like quality level of one is uh, terrible or basically a dive, whereas six is uh, really posh and it gives expenses for a room, board, maintenance of your clothing and equipment and entertainment. Uh, Simple rules for sea travel, again, kind of like the overland. Not sure how closely these things mirror like what's given an OD and D. Uh, it would be interesting if, uh, if someone knows if, if a lot of this was lifted or is, if this is new by Jim. Um, and then encounters at sea as well. And then a uh, one-page appendix. So, and then there's a uh, the end paper has an advertising. Planus Eris World Map, 24 by 36 inch glossy poster. I don't know if these are still available. At one time, Jim was selling posters of the world. I suspect these are sold out. But it does give 
the places where you can download a PDF of, uh, of the, the game world map. And the game world map is very cool. Very well done. Um, I think this is a great supplement, uh, for the price at drive through it's, let's see, the PDF is $5.99. The soft cover plus PDF is $9.99. Um, I think, you know, for, for something that has this much kind of game juice in it, um, that has a pretty cool, like world setting that provides the, the skeleton and the, uh, the skit, the skin of the campaign to give you a good feel, but it doesn't bog you down with tons and tons and tons of details. So there's no room for you to breathe in it. I think this is a really cool, unique setting. And I'm not just saying that because I used to game with Jim. Jim went to the same high school as I did <coughs> after high school while he was going to college. And while I was bumming around and, <laughs> working at Deluxe, um, we kind of hooked up and started playing D&D. Uh, Keith, who also contributed to this, my my friend Keith, who you've heard, um, uh, was part of those games and stuff too, and uh, we had a lot of fun until Jim moved to Texas, and I kind of lost touch with him. But Keith still, um, I know, has gamed with him once in a while when he's come up here to visit family, and uh, yeah. So it's cool that this is something that was made by a person I used to game with. Obviously, colors my opinion a little bit in that regard, but still, I think it's a really cool supplement. Definitely worth checking out, and especially if you want something that's not just another Western medieval Europe kind of thing. So I think tomorrow I'll maybe... <coughs> Sorry, I'm losing my voice a little bit here. I'll maybe do a summing up about OSR October, but eh, maybe I'll just do it right now. No, definitely was not hogging all the glory. There are lots of cool podcasts during OSR October. I am very happy with how this turned out. So thanks to everyone who participated. The Big shout-outs to Daniel from Bandit's Keep, uh, YouTube, Podcast, Media Empire, Jason at Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Kevin from the Red Caps Podcast and YouTube channel, Taylor from the Clerics Wear Ringmail Podcast, Blog, YouTube channel, Media Empire, The Pink Phantom, Phantom Thoughts, Evil Jeff at Minions and Musings, John Large from the Red Dice Diaries podcast YouTube channel. Rob, also known as Menion, at Confessions of Wee Timorous Bushy. Goblin's Henchman, Goblin's Henchman podcast. I think he's got a blog. I know he's got a blog. And he's got lots of stuff on DriveThru. Check out all his stuff. BJ at The Arcane Alienist. Freethrall, also known as Spencer. Or, or I guess that's reversed. Spencer, also known as Free Thrall, at Keep Off the Borderlands. And Barry, over at Shadow of the GM. So thanks, all you guys. That was great that you had these awesome podcasts talking about the OSR, talking about um, great 
products, adventures, games, um, having interviews with people, conversations with people, conversations about all kinds of different topics. Um, and if there was anyone that had anything else that I just overlooked, I apologize. Hopefully it will come to my attention at some point and I'll shed some light on it. Oh, Mark over at the 10 keep, uh, blog. Uh, thanks Mark. And everyone that sent in messages to me and all the other podcasts, people that did theme songs, their renditions of my theme song. This was just, it was great. I loved it. Um, can't thank you enough. And thanks for listening. Will I do it again next year? Yeah, I probably will. And I hope other people will too. Maybe we can get this as kind of an annual thing. As I said, I doubt if I'd do this as a, a everyday or nearly everyday kind of thing again. Maybe two or three a week or um, or just whenever I'm feeling like it, I guess. I'd, I'd rather just not commit to making it a big obligation. Um, and I don't know if anyone really wants to hear me droning on this much. Um, I don't think my opinions have really changed at all. I mean, I, I heard lots of cool stuff from, especially like on Red Caps, Kevin having so many, uh, he had Matt Finch, Chris Gonerman, um, Gavin Norman, uh, Dan Proctor, the host from The Safer Half, uh, Runehammer, uh, Greg Gillespie, had all these people talking about different stuff, and, uh, while they had interesting takes and stuff, it's still, I mean, I still feel the same way about how I define the OSR. I think it's, yes, it's a DIY movement, largely. Yes, I think there is a certain play style that's exhibited. But for me, it's those things, and it's also the third leg of the stool. It's compatibility with the old TSR era. Gygaxian D&D. It's house rule DIY D&D. That's what it means to me for the most part. So, I don't know. Am I some kind of Mossback conservative? (laughs) Well, in this regard, I guess I am. Uh, In many other ways, I'm not at all like that, but but in this case, I am. And uh, that doesn't mean I can't have other cool games, other great games... I just think of them as more tangential to the movement or inspired by the movement and not necessarily um, what I'd consider an OSR game unless it you can pick up Village of Hamlet, keep on the Borderlands, whatever, and run it without really having to even think about it. So that's just my opinion, though. And I hope what really came out of this whole OSR October was that there are lots and lots of very creative, very cool people making cool gaming products and having fun, engaging conversations about these old games uh, and the games that inspired them or have been inspired by them. So I hope uh, it was a worthwhile endeavor. I hope you enjoyed listening to my podcast and all the other ones as well. And until I talk to you again, happy Halloween, and don't go down in a heap.